morning. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors on staff. I'm grateful to be here with you this morning. Uh, I love God's word. And as someone that's asked to to preach from time to time, I'm humbled by that. I, I try to get in God's word every single day. And as I've been working through studying or reading through the Old Testament, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 23, God's speaking and he says that his word is like fire and his word is like a hammer that shatters the rocks into pieces. And so teaching God's word is a, is, is a humbling thing. And before, before I say anything, and I, hopefully I don't say much, it's God's word that speaks to us this morning, I'd like to go to him in prayer. So let's, let's pray together now. Father God, we're, we're humbled. Uh, anytime we come into a, a gathering like this because we're before you, a holy God, and we know that you listen and we know that you, you hear, and so we ask this morning that we may be led in spirit and in truth, that we may live lives that are uh, pleasing to you. And we ask for this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin this morning, what I'd like to do is to uh, speak to two broad themes that I think will be important for our text this morning. And I'm going to uh, explain those broad themes, or really like foundational undercurrents to the text, by sharing two stories. Okay, so the first broad theme is this. It's captured in this statement. Some things come unlooked for. Some things come unlooked for. And here's the story. Uh, a couple weeks ago, my, my father shared this story with me. Uh, he lives in Lebanon, uh, has about an acre lot with some trees, and behind his garage, he has set up a trail camera to capture anything that's going on back there. You know, it's a camera set up where if uh, anything crosses the path of the camera, in this case, it'll take a picture of it, and then it'll begin recording 30 seconds a video. And he's got it back there to see what's going on. He's seen fox run through there. You know, sometimes it's just a bird looking at the camera when he sees it. Now, other times it's fallen over. Okay. But recently he was looking, uh, just had, he hadn't looked at it in a while. And so he pulls it out and he begins to thumb through the different pictures. It's not a great trail camera, so it's kind of grainy. But as he's clicking through, he sees on one of them, it looks like a person just beginning to enter the frame on his property. He's thinking, this is not good. Who has been you know, paroling and going around my property, who knows what they're doing. This is a, a security issue. And so he immediately clicks over to the video. And as the video starts, nothing's, nothing's there. And then all of a sudden, sure enough, you see a human being walk in to the frame. It's my six-year-old son, Conrad. Okay? And he proceeds, my son, again, it's, it's not real clear, but he proceeds to walk back there behind the garage, look to the right, look to the left, drop his pants. Okay? <laughs> And all you can see is his little blessed assurance, okay? You're like, man, some things come unlooked for. I was not expecting that. And by the way, we tell him he is not supposed to do that, okay? I had several people after first service saying, hey, well, you know, sons learn from fathers. No, in this case, they don't. <laughs> they don't, okay? And it's a funny story. But if you look at the pages of your story, often the things that come unlooked for are also the things that we, that we don't bargain for. Things like divorce, cancer, unwanted pregnancy, addiction, COVID-19. And so we end up coming back and and saying statements like this. I never thought my life would look like this. This wasn't supposed to happen to me. That's one broad theme. The second is this, captured in this statement. Some things don't end up like we thought they would. Some things don't end up like we thought they would. Here's the story. A couple years back, my dad and I decided that we were going to go to the, the last Cincinnati Reds baseball game of the season. I am a Reds fan, okay? 
okay? I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, but we decided to go to the game, and the reason why we wanted to go to this game was because it was the final home game that the uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster, Marty Brenneman, was going to be broadcasting. And we wanted to make sure we were there, so we got really good tickets behind the dugout, and we wanted to make sure we didn't miss a moment. And so we left early so that we could get there literally when the gates opened an hour and a half in advance, because this was just going to be a special day that we were going to enjoy. The weather was perfect. Everything was supposed to be good. And so we're driving from Indianapolis down to Cincinnati. We're about halfway there, and we begin to see brake lights. And we come to a stop. We're in a construction zone. And to make a long story short, we didn't move for another three hours. Exactly. Okay, that's exactly how we were feeling. And so, like many games we listened to on the car radio, that wasn't the plan, but that's what we did. And so we sit there, and we're hoping there ended up being a, a tractor trailer that had overturned less than a mile in front of us. We didn't know it. And so if I, there's no going forward, no going backward. There's barricade. We can't. We're, we're stuck. And so we're listening to the game, enjoying the beautiful weather, but not in the ballpark. Uh, finally, everything gets cleared up. We just were able to go. We obeyed every single traffic law and speed limit in order to get there in time for this, what I remember as the seventh inning stretch. We missed the entire game. And part of the reason why we wanted to get there so early is because they were giving out 10,000 commemorative radios so you could be listening to the game while you're there. Guess where there weren't any more of those left? Gone. Gone. Now, thankfully, I did bring my own. Okay, But it's just the special day, and it was special, but, man, it didn't end up like we thought it was. And sometimes I wonder, you know, maybe I'm just a disillusioned Reds fan, but I wonder as we think about our lives, if the things that we, we expect life to give us, don't, that's not really how it works. We become disillusioned. Maybe as parents we say this, I always wanted to be a parent, but is it always going to be this hard? Is it always going to be this hard? For some of us that are older, are we asking ourselves this question? Is this, is this what getting old feels like? I'm losing my body. I'm losing my mind. I thought success maybe would make me feel better about myself. Some of us that are in the middle of our careers, we thought that was what it was going to be, but we're disillusioned, and we, we've, we've found success, but we've found little else. Or maybe we think to ourselves, you know, I, I thought we loved each other, but it doesn't feel like love. Okay, these two broad things, some themes... Uh, some things come unlooked for. Some things don't end up like they would. These are themes that are present in 2 Corinthians as we're reading it because Paul is writing these letters back to these people, and these guys have, are somewhat disillusioned. This, wasn't, this whole church thing wasn't like what they thought it was going to be. Communion, as we've read, is a complete mess. Okay, there are people that are sinning all over the place, and they don't know what to do. With. They're wondering, hey, Paul, when are you going to show up? When are you going to stop writing letters and show up? And so there's all these questions. And Paul, as he's writing 2 Corinthians, he's addressing these very, very specific things. So if you're someone that's struggled for the, through the first couple of chapters of 2 Corinthians, I, I'm with you. Sometimes it's difficult to, to be able to enter ourselves into the situation where they're emailing each other. Not emailing, they don't email. When they're talking back and forth and they're writing back and forth. It's hard. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul begins to speak less to the specific things and more broadly. More broadly. Okay, and he does it beginning in, at the very beginning of, the, of chapter 4 and at the end by starting by saying, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. And it's that second statement beginning in verse 16 that I want to focus on. We're going to be reading chapter, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians verses 16, 17, and 18. And Paul says this. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self, that inner man, is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. 
As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are seen are eternal. And I'm wondering, as, as this letter is being read to this church, as they're hearing that, they, they need this encouragement, they need this hope, and that's exactly what Paul gives them. He reminds them that the things in front of them are not what's really, what life is really about. It's much bigger than that. And I'm sure that they were encouraged. I'm sure there was. But my imagination kicks up here, and I'm wondering if there was someone in the, in the corner that as he's processing through this, that he begins to raise his hand. Everybody kind of looks to him and is like, Yes? Why, why the question? He's like, hey, yeah, I, I get it. This all sounds good. I know that we're supposed to look to things that are, that are uh, unseen, not to things that are seen. But guess what? My eyeballs don't know how to do that. All I know how to do is look to the things that I can actually see. So how am I supposed to be able to understand things like eternity and a God who's invisible? How am I supposed to do that? It's a good question. That's a good question. And the answer to that question really finds its genesis all the way back in Genesis Chapters 1, 2, and 3. Remember when God is creating everything? He's, he's constructing everything. He's putting all the pieces together. He's then making human beings. And he's saying, hey, I want you guys to continue this, this creation process. Make something of the world. Steward it well. Steward it well. That's what worship is going to look like, is you're going you're gonna to make it good. Okay? Make something of the world. And as they're doing that, there is no such thing as unseen. They, they were face-to-face -face with God. And they got to do it with him walking with him in the garden. But then, as we read in chapter 3, sin breaks it all apart, destroys their relationship with God, their understanding of their own calling, their relationship with one another, their cultural mandate to make something of the world gets harder. And so what had been this intimate face-to-face -face relationship with their God now becomes veiled, becomes distant. What they had been able to see is now hidden, and both figuratively and literally, ever since, God has been out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. And if you trace that theme throughout all the Old Testament, you'll see it over and over and over again. Moses goes up to meet with God. doesn't take 40 days before they're saying, where is he? Can someone please make me something? A cow will do. That's fine. Okay? Or later on, they want, they're going through the promise land. They're like, hey, I know God is he's special and he lives in that box. Okay, but can we have a king? Something we can actually see and touch and feel. Okay, the prophets are showing them, hey, this is who God is, out of sight, out of mind. But as, I'm sure as 21st century Christians, we would like to think that that's not us. That's partly the reason why we're here, is we want to collectively get together. We know that there's been distance created between God and us this, this past week, and so we want to be with him, and we want to be with each other. But I wonder if, when you really sit down and look at our life, your life and mine, if most of my time and energy... My emotional uh, energy is spent in the here and now, what's in front of us, and God is pushed to the side. Okay, there are many students in here. I see you. I'm not going to call you out. Okay, as student pastor, I get that liberty at times, but I'm not going to today. Um, but for students, I think oftentimes, yeah, God's important, and yeah, I try to read my Bible sometimes, but for most of us, students, it's about the grades. It's about the games, the ball games, practices, activities. And then if you're a guy, it's about the girls. Or if you're a girl, it's about the guys. That's where we spend most of our emotional energy and time and effort is around those things. And God is, is important, but he's pushed to the side. For college students, maybe it looks more like this. Maybe it's more about, hey, I'm in college. I'm away from home. It's, it's my time to have fun and be with my friends and focus then on finishing. 
And I preoccupy my time with trying to get this degree, this piece of paper, which means absolutely nothing apart from the will of God. Absolutely nothing. For adults, maybe it's more about our careers and the cash that comes with it, maybe the car that comes with it. Ultimately, we bow down to this God called comfort. Okay? God's important, right? We have the, the things, the Hobby Lobby stuff all around the house, but in the end, he's just pushed to the side. Even for young parents like, like me, I wonder if it's all about, okay, this is where I dropped the alliteration piece, it's all about survival, okay? That's what it's about. Can I get literally just four hours? I'm, all I'm asking is four hours of sleep, and that's all I need, okay? But even as young parents, sometimes we can preoccupy these little, these little kids, and God, even though we, we, we're, we're trying to incorporate him, God kind of gets pushed to the side. And I think that's why living by faith is so hard, because walking and living by faith means that we have to move past what's right in front of us, and we step out into the unknown. But who likes that? We typically have no category for the unknown. Our lives are built around eliminating the unknown. Walking by faith really just means, God, I want you to walk with me while I do the things that I already know I can do. Thanks. And faith, for all practical purposes, is simply a concept, something we sing about, something we talk about, but not something we truly live. Until life gets our attention, until the doctor walks in the room with bad news, until the person we love walks away, until we go to another one of those regular prenatal visits and they can't find a heartbeat, until you're fired from your job. See, we're all one phone call away from our life never being the same again. Life is hard, and when we step out into that uncharted territory, we feel untethered and lost, and we ask questions like, God, why is life so hard? And I wonder if God says, and follow my words here, guys, life is hard because of the hell of it, the brokenness of it. And so for some of us in that room, that has been our week. I realize that. That has been our week. Others of us, that's been our month or that's been our year, and we're still in the middle of it. We're in the middle of this chaos. We feel untethered. We're in this uncharted waters, and we don't know what it looks like to live by faith. Okay, and from Paul's perspective, he knew that. The people in his church, in this congregation in Corinth, knew that, which is why he wrote these words. And so I want to read it again. Look to verse 16. He says, We do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction doesn't feel that way in the moment, but is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, here today, gone tomorrow. The things that are unseen are eternal. So for some of us, for some of us, we need to stop looking to what is seen. We need to stop walking by faith with just doing the things we've always done with God by our side. It's time to make those things that the world says are most important, and we put those aside. We bring God back into the picture, and we walk with him. For others of us that have stepped out into this uncharted territory and we feel untethered, this is where we need to remember that we don't look to what is seen. What we're experiencing is not all there is. It's not all there is. Do you remember those two early themes, those undercurrents? Some things come unlooked for. Some things don't end up like we thought they would. 
Those statements are most fully embodied, not in your pain, not in your mess or your mistakes or the tragedy that you've experienced. They are fully embodied in the person of Jesus. And it's because of him that our pain, though it's real, and we're not discounting that. Okay, life is hard, life is real, but it appears as a momentary light affliction when compared to what God has in store for us. There is no comparison. So we're called to look to the things that are unseen. And God knows that we can't do that. He knows that that is hard. And so he has given us things, physical things that we can see to remind us of what the unseen can be and will be. And the first is this, the cross. The cross. Our rescuer came unlooked for. At the cross, we received more than we bargained for. And when Jesus was on that cross, he felt that your pain and your masses and your mistakes were worthy of his nail scars. We got more than we bargained for. Praise God for that. The second thing is this, the empty tomb. The empty tomb. Some things don't end up like we thought they would. Praise God that the dead man that was in that tomb walked out of that tomb. And when Jesus did that, he fundamentally redefined what life and death is all about. So as Christians, we have a different view of life and death because we have life and death is just a moment. And now we have more life with him. And it's because he lives, the fact that he's not in that tomb, we, we sing this. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds my future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. Let's pray. Father God, as we look to our own selves, when we examine our, our hearts, we realize that, man, we are, we are flawed. We get caught up in the moment we forget so many times. Father, thank you that you have pursued us this far. And Father, thank you that you are willing to continue to walk with us as we seek to, to, see, to see you, to see the cross and the empty grave, and to realize that that is what has redefined, as Rob said, has redefined our future. So Father, as we continue to worship and to think about what that means for our hearts, let your word be like a fire. Let your word be like a hammer that breaks apart the the hardness of our hearts because of sorrow and tragedy and pain and let us open ourselves afresh to the good news of the gospel. We ask for this in Jesus' name.